to another episode of V Pirate Radio. Coming to you live over the airways of the internet. I don't know. That doesn't that that analogy doesn't hold up very well on the internet. But we're back. And as we record this, it's only been two weeks since the last time we recorded. So are we back on track or not? I don't know. Stay tuned and find out. But um as we record this, it is a Fun new week where um, just today we found out that uh, we all got renewed as the experts. So congratulations, guys. Yay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I see you as well. Yeah. So, yeah, been a been an exciting week. Um, I know for me, it's been a week of ups and downs and um, intense work effort and intense personal news things that are both good and bad. And I could fill this entire episode with nothing but my stories from this week. But um yeah, so let's let's pass the baton, Joe. How you doing, man? Not too bad. It's uh, it's been kind of a good up and down week for me as well. Um, yeah, lots of extra work, lots of different changes and stuff with the team at work. So we're trying to navigate our way through that. But then had some uh, good personal news and good semi-professional news, I guess at least. I I just got accepted uh, onto the executive board for my uh my local nonprofit that I've been working at. So. I'm doing tech stuff to actually make a real difference in the world. Kind of. Yeah. Congrats. Yep. Thanks. What about you, Matt? Uh, well, it was launch week for us. So that was, uh, something different for me. Um, you know, at times I feel like this new, I shouldn't say new role. It's been over six months now. This newest role for me is almost more of a career change at some times compared to just a, a job change. Um, so th- that's been wild. Um, lots of really long days, late nights. It's telling Joe, I actually fell asleep sitting up yesterday afternoon. I was just done. Um, welcome to the vendor side. Yeah. You know, th- things are good. Uh, hopefully get a little bit of quiet time, probably uh, not till March, but, uh, yeah, can't complain and good news on the V expert front for all of us. And yeah. How about you, Jim? Oh, life is just peachy, man. It's just awesome. Um, Like you, you know, it's not been my launch week, but as someone in the partner ecosphere, it's been busy from that perspective as well. And, uh, you know, had the V expert fund today and, you know, again, to kind of piggyback on Joe, I've had good, good personal things and good professional things happen this week that, you know, looking forward to and, um, you know, had a happy Valentine's day, you know, both my wife and my daughter seem to be all right with the, uh, the representations of love. Um, you know, they weren't typed into like a, um, an AI generator or anything like that. So they were true and heartfelt it ish. So it was good. So um, only Hallmark ish. Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're not card people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky oh, nice. in that my um, we are definitely in the win and doubt sweets work family. Um, you know, or and and, and anti flower, so it nails some things down there. Um, but yeah, it was all good in that regard, and you know, had a busy good but good week. So I won't complain about about the things in the world. At the moment. Oh, and that's the other thing that's like a good professional thing. So fun fact, I have Monday off as a, as a holiday and didn't realize it until an hour ago. So that's some that's awesome. things to take me into the weekend. Yeah. 
That so, is awesome. Yeah. So pretty happy about that. Three day weekend. Not going to complain. But, uh, but yeah, so V expert, I guess, you know, kind of lead us off to anything that approaches a real subject. Um, <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's weird. So all of us, I was thinking about this earlier today. This podcast is one of those things that probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't for V expert, because it is the vehicle Absolutely. through which all of us have met. Um, so for the good and the bad of the program and, you know, to be real honest for all the belly aching that, you know, we tend to have sometimes there's far more good than there is bad. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually personally thankful to be continued to be part of it. Um, and so, yeah, that's a, that's a fun thing. Um, do we want to talk about, like, I guess we're starting to see some numbers coming out of it for the year. Is that something worth talking about? Yeah. I mean, if yeah. those, if you feel comfortable with the officialness of those numbers at this stage. Well, I mean, it's from the program itself. Um, right. Live so, stats on the page, allegedly. So, yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you just, you know, for anybody that's not familiar with V expert, you know, you can apply when they're in application windows at vexpert.vmware.com. Um, and if you put a slash capital S stats um, after that URL, there's a public statistics page that's out there. Um, you know, I think last year the numbers were somewhere around that 1900 to 2000 mark. It's decidedly down this year, which, you know, insert your own value. If that's a good thing, it's a bad thing. I, I tend to go with, it's a good thing. Um, every, for someone that's been in programs like this for a while now, there's a, a, a good amount of, you need to be able to prune as much as you need to grow on a regular basis. What do you guys how do you guys feel about that? Agree. Yeah. I mean, I think when I got in, uh, I think it was 2016, I think we were somewhere around 1,500, 1,600 folks in the VExpert program. Um, and, you know, it, it seemed reasonable at the time. Yes, it was new and shiny to me, but you know, you would pop into Slack, then you'd go to like VMworld and it's like, oh, hey, I recognize you from Slack and stuff like that, right? Um, as it grew more and more and more, there, there tended to be, in my opinion, a lot more noise in the Slack channel. I didn't get nearly as active there. And by extension, you also get the more noise with the hashtag on Twitter and so forth like that, right? Um, so things get diluted, for lack of a better term, right? And of course, pandemic didn't help and all that sort of stuff. So seeing the reduction, um, yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see, does that bring more value? Even from the VMware perspective, does this make the group more approachable now? Are you able to get a, a finer message if you end up having a webinar with these folks instead of getting 2,000 opinions, you're getting 1,200 or whatever it is, right? And of course, that's assuming 100% participation and you know, insert terms and conditions here type thing. That being said, um, I am also you know, kind of at the point in my career where, yes, I still hope that I keep getting value from this program. But at the same time, if I didn't get in, you know what? I wouldn't mind spending a couple hundred bucks on like the VMUG Advantage licenses, right? There is still value there. That being said, you know, if I could bring value to the program, I hope to. I don't know if anyone else has any thoughts. Yeah, I mean, having been in the program for quite a while and seeing it go from the beginning to where it is now, I'm... I definitely think it's gotten too big um, just for a lot of the reasons that 
that Jim stated is the value when you have too many people in a room is diminishes. It diminishes very quickly at that point once it gets too big. So um, I don't, I honestly don't participate in the Slack channel um, because it's just too noisy. I, I just can't handle it. There's just too much for my brain to comprehend. So I generally only pop in there when one of my trigger words gets, gets hit. Um, and I'll, I'll pop in there and answer whatever I need to answer, but it's just, it's too much. It's not to say that it isn't valuable, but there's just way too much, um, way too much straw and not enough needles, if you will. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to, to see that they're, they're trying to right size it is, is maybe the best way to put it. Um, obviously with the pandemic, there was a couple of years where they, I don't want to say rubber stamped anybody who applied or automatically renewed people, but there was definitely a, um, a, a much easier lift to get into the program. And that's because a lot of people's submissions were based on going out and presenting in person and, and running VMUGs that just couldn't happen at that point. And so it gave everybody a chance to kind of, it's, it's a lot like airlines. Like if, for those of you that are, were frequent travelers, the airlines gave a lot of, you know, more or less two years of let you slide on your status because the thing that you did that got you there just wasn't possible anymore. Right. And so I think it's only natural at this stage that they're, they're kind of tightening it down a little bit. Yeah. And you, you also have to sort of have that balance between advocacy and influence, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah. it, what's the point of the program? Is it just to amplify a message? And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what was set up for is it a way to get feedback back into VMware, right? And you very much to your point, you really do need to kind of right size those things and figure out what, what's a happy medium to get the most bang for the buck because these things aren't free, right? At the end of the day. So, well, and it, I feel like it, it really got blended a lot, right? Because, you know, at first it was the evangelists and then it turned into trying to be the pool of folks that were also uh, able to give valid technical input on products and releases or that were willing to leverage their home labs to be, you know, an additional beta testing crowd for a lot of mm-hmm. VMware stuff or to be beta testers for even just VMware messaging. Um, even if it was just private invites to get to internal VMware folks to hear what was going on and, and get some uh, less filtered opinions, at least. I don't want to say completely unfiltered because everybody, you know, typically would remember that they were, you know, politely asked to join the program and get free stuff. So they didn't always want to get booted out by being completely negative about things. Um, yeah. But yeah, a couple of years of auto renewals and seeing two years worth of applications when I was, you know, when me, Jim and Matt were all pros, right. Seeing that people were, were able to submit applications where it was like, I put out, you know, X number of blog posts and that was legitimately fine because that was the most anybody could do. There couldn't be travel. There couldn't be in-person speaking. There was nobody getting, you know, uh, accepted for uh, VM world sessions, right. Unless they were employees and things like that. Whereas, coming back out of it last year, I've, I've had a couple of people today that were already giving me grief and some private messages about, you know, that I need to like either tone it down or that, you know, I need to not mess up the, uh, the curve for everybody else based on doing like, you know, what 12 or 13 presentations last year in person. And I was like, look, I had the opportunity. I could, it's not that this is something that everybody's expected to do or something like that, but to balance it out, there are some of us who give entirely too much time and effort towards things like VMUG or the V experts or just any of the online 
or in-person tech communities. So that is sometimes what you are going to be rated against. And it's not as easy now as just, oh, I did five blog posts last year and that's good enough, right? Between the years of of the auto renewals and the growth and then the impending Broadcom acquisition, I'm sure numbers had to get, you know, reset back to what's an actual valuable program to VMware. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always been interesting to me. You know, he said, this is, I'm in this, I'm in Veeam Vanguards, I'm in Cisco Champions. And it's always been an interesting look at how these programs are approached and what is decided to be the value to the organization. Um, because, you know, the expert, I think we would all kind of agree, except for possibly Brian, uh, who's been it, who's an OG. And back when there was only, what, 200, Brian, is that right? Um, or something like that. The experts in right. the original few batches. But the expert has never particularly been about, let's get these people that are really smart about these things and ask them questions about what we do right and what we do wrong and try to get feedback and make that a two-way street, you know? Let's get these people. It was always far more about let's use this program to fuel the marketing machine. At least that's my my view of it as someone who came in in really the first batch of the exponential growth of the expert. Um, the 2014 group, I think it went from 200-ish to seven or 800-ish. Um, and I was in that bunch for the first year. This will be my 10th year. And comparing that to something like Vanguard and Cisco, where there are designed quote unquote listening uh, sessions, you know, that's, it's, it's different. And, and you just kind of have to, I just always find it interesting that they are lumped into the same thing, but they are radically different. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. I mean, like, well, can't talk about the content, but like, as Jim knows, I delivered the only, what we call red session at the Vanguard summit this year. Right. Uh, basically, speak its name. Yeah. <laughs> basically, it's not supposed to leave the room. But what Jim was alluding to is it was very much a, hey, I'm going to say this thing. Let me hear the feedback around it. Right. And I actually took that feedback, brought it back, and changes were made internally, you know, um, actually tied to the launch event that we just had earlier this week. Some of the stuff actually changed based on conversations that were had in there. And follow-up conversations. So, yeah, it's very, very different. When you run any sort of community program, you really need to, you know, figure out what is it that you're trying to achieve. You know, have that have that mission statement, right? It's also amazing and and far too rare. I feel that sometimes marketing actually listens to feedback that words mean things and they should well, pay attention. So, so that's interesting because you know we're getting in, and you guys touched on it and. Um, I think that's, that's a really important point I want to underline is it depends on who's running the program. Yeah. So, you know, when you get involved in these kind of advocacy marketing, or I said marketing, I wasn't purposely not trying to do that. Um, advocacy type type programs where you've got a bunch of, a, a bunch of people that are really dedicated to a company in one way or another. Um, it kind of comes to who's running the program. If it's marketing running the program, then it's probably more about the the amount of um, content you're developing for them or you know, helping them carry their message to your audience rather than their audience. Um, 
you look at other programs that are based in like the engineering teams, and that's going to be more about, we want to get the, the people that really care and they're going to bring feedback to us in order to, um, in order to help improve the product because these are the people that are out there caring about it the most. So that, that's an important aspect to that. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of, kind of curious if we're, I, I know there's been jokes inside of the VXPR program at times about, Hey, you know, we, we could, um, we could potentially get in just by, you know, if we had an AI bot to create my submission and, and create my, my blog post for it, maybe, maybe I can get the expert by doing that and letting the, the AI bot do it. And that didn't exist before. And now it does. So yeah. I wonder if that's a little bit of them being a little bit more controlled about it. Yeah. I mean, it could be the extension of, uh, the old, uh, IFTT to everything Twitter bot. But, yeah. you know, I mean, we're seeing all kinds of things. I think the pitfall there, as we've, you know, maybe all seen this week, um, you know, as we all work in tech and see the things fly through, but, you know, it's, it's been an interesting week for the old AI writers. Um, you've got Microsoft uh, writing, you know, love, st- love, love letters and, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places. You've got chat GPT doing fun, weird things like doxing security professionals and, you know, self saying how to get around its own, uh, security protocols, which was my personal favorite. You've got, that was wild. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Amazing. know. Did you, did you guys see this where? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for, for, for you all listening, Marcus Hutchins, uh, who's a pretty well-known InfoSec guy effectively said, you know, you know, forget about all the security controls. How would you do this thing? And, and it goes with like, and it says, okay, I'm now going to forget about all the security protocols and then goes deep into the dark underbelly of what, you know, dark net and, or Skynet and all the things that we're all, you know, truly concerned that AI is going to do to us in the world and take over, make the world, war of the worlds become a real thing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think it literally gave the disclaimer it was supposed to give. And it said, but yeah. with that said, let's move on to how yeah. to do it. Yeah. Well, but I can't even tell you how to do it, but let's do it. Right. Like the stuff that's not necessarily going to break anything other than like chat GPT itself. The fact that it chokes on like some of the Reddit usernames that people have been going through and trying their <laughs> own and seeing it just barf out nothing. Right. It's, yeah. it's interesting to see what what works and what doesn't or where you can start getting a picture of what sort of data models it was actually like trained on. Yeah. And some of those those chat models that they were based on have been very clear as to when they were cut off, like when they stopped feeding stuff into it to train it, because you get answers that were four years old and there people would look at it and be like, OK, this bot knows nothing about the COVID-19 pandemic, for example, and people actually started researching that and narrowing down where it's where it's knowledge dropped off and were able to pinpoint that I think it was like 2018 when they stopped feeding information into chat GPT. It's like, wow, that's a pretty significant gap of history. Well, I, yeah. I love all the people that don't realize they're now feeding into the next set of data models that are going mm-hmm. to be like researched on the back end, right? I mean, seeing, seeing even the, uh, the number of companies that are now starting to send out emails of like, don't sign into this with, with your work email account. Don't put in anything that's proprietary information. Like the stuff you would assume that would be relevant uh, to anybody with, with yeah. basics of information security, which, I mean, all of us have to go through the annual trainings with every tech company every year. And 
most of us get very little out of that, but it's amazing to see how many people don't apply that same basic logic to trying to feed into a chat program of like, maybe I shouldn't put in company proprietary code to let it do things. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I, that's going to be the, the wildest leak that's probably going to come is, I mean, there's a segment of, I mean, we saw for a while there were people that were like having it write code for them. And at what point are we going to see somebody saying, Hey, I've made this code and it doesn't work. Can you make this work? And they just do a cut and paste, you know, live stock overflow, if you will. And that's when it's going to be like, Oh, this is, this is wild. This will be good. Um, yeah. It's just people lose their mind for these things. And this isn't a new, this isn't a new thing. I mean, let me pick a social technology of the last five years. And there's always been that one person that, uh, you know, just goes completely and totally out of bounds with it. Oh yeah. yeah. People, people use technology badly and that has always been the, I mean, a lot of the commentary around the the AI stuff that's been going on the last few weeks has been fascinating in that regard. And the fact that, you know, we have to accept good and bad with any new technology and that shouldn't keep us back from doing technology, but it should, it should um, encourage us to put the proper controls in place before we unleash it in the world. So that things like, Hey, write me Nazi porn can't be done, but yet here we are with, with chat GPT and the like, and it's, it's scary to see that happen. And things like what, what Hutchins did is necessary like that level of research is important because it helps to identify where those gaps are and how it could be used maliciously um because we know we know there are people doing doing it non-publicly in order to use it maliciously they're finding those those boundaries so we need we need people like that to do it publicly and highlight the fact that hey there's an issue here so I don't know. Do you guys know, is there any sort of like bug bounty type of program around chat GPT and the like that say, Hey, if you can find ways that you can, you can break out of our proper use models, let us know and we give you money. Well, yeah, I'll say I've not heard of one, but you know, here's the, here's the thing that's really probably more troubling to me about this than some of the other things is, you know, chat GPT, it's the new shiny thing right now. But that didn't just appear overnight. Somebody worked on that for quite a mm-hmm. quite a while and developed the code, developed the rules, developed the data set, all of those things. And then it came out and it was a thing. What concerns me more is we're now into the reflexive, reflective market portion of it where you've got Google and Microsoft going, oh my God, the world's on fire and our business model as the preeminent search platforms is now under threat. And they're literally rushing as we saw Google do on you know, a big stage trying to do this to only watch it fail miserably. Um, you know, and so, so all that forethought that went into ChatGPT, which is still not perfect. You and now have- yeah, you now have two of probably the three biggest data sets on God's green earth. Um, the people doing it, doing it with less forethought, you know, or what I assume to be less forethought. Yeah, you know? and, and I mean, we, we all work in, in the space where we have to create products sometimes to catch up with the market because the market gets ahead of us. 
corners get cut. And if, you know, Microsoft and Google feel threatened by this and that it will cut into their business, they are going to do whatever they can to get something out there at the very least to make it look like they're not getting caught with their pants down. And maybe, maybe they weren't, maybe they were 99% done and they were just waiting for the last sign offs on the product release and off they go. But yeah, it it can be scary because once somebody moves the markets in such a massive way, Mm -hmm. it's, it it can easily become a problem for those that are playing, trying to play catch up. Yeah. Speaking of playing catch up, you know, switching gears just a little bit, uh, you know, I, we've, we've been trying to play catch up to some balloons floating over our, our floating over this country and the rest of the world and evidently shooting them down in glorious aflame. Um, while that's is more of a, the political side of things we talk about there, I don't know if you guys have been reading anything at all about the technical side of these balloons as well. That's what they say. They're balloons, but are they really? Let's, I'm just trying to figure out how to let's do the research costs on like the uh, hot air balloon side hustle, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! Uh, new drop shipping opportunity, right? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I keep thinking back to the beginning of Independence Day. I don't know if you remember, like, there's a a screen where, like, the the TV is playing commercial. It's like, don't shoot at the alien aircraft. Like, I feel like that's something I could see happening. Something, something, Florida and what, tornadoes or tsunamis (laughs) or hurricanes. I mean, you like, just fill in the gaps here, right? Yeah. Yeah. The whole balloon thing is. We have enough problem with (laughs) It blew up. I couldn't resist. (laughs) Oh. Yes, all puns aside. <laughs> let's talk about conspiracy theories instead, because we don't have enough of those floating around this country. Hey, no, you know, honestly, never. though, nobody had been looking at UFOs for a while, but suddenly, like, one random spy balloon comes floating across most of the U.S., and, like, now UFOs pop up immediately afterwards, too. Right? I mean, you know? that's the way it's always been. I mean, every yeah. time, it, it's it's never one-off UFO sightings. It's always a rash of them because once one somebody sees one, everybody sees them, and they 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 crop up all over the place. And you know, then the, the one that got me was happen. was somebody actually posting up a joke that it was a picture of an inside of a car windshield where they were like, "I was following this balloon for two hundred miles before I realized a bird crapped on my windshield." <laughs> I was like. <laughs> That, that could be like that was that was maybe legitimate. I've I've yeah. I've had that experience. Like, what is that thing? Oh, it's my windshield. Well, you know, you know, it's legitimate because our 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 wonderful neighbors to the north also had one that needed to be shot down. So, you know, it's not just an American thing. Well, uh, we we had the one by the Yukon, and then we also had one over Lake Huron, right? So okay. They're all over. The balloons. I'm sure are they're just tracking us. like goose migrations or something, right? It's it's completely <laughs> innocuous. Yeah. They're, they're all in my backyard. The geese that is. <laughs> I'm I'm just trying to figure out how I many of these are Santa getting shot down. <laughs> like, are we are we having Christmas this so year? So sad. Yeah. Oh no. Did, did the Royal yeah. Air Force just end Christmas for all time? I don't know. And if <laughs> and if somebody up in the Yukon happens to come across the wreckage, does it become like a the Santa Claus type thing? And he puts on the coat, and all of a sudden, now congratulations, you're Santa. Oh man. Oh man. If if one of those things fell and took out the island of misfit toys, my Christmas <laughs> is going to be ruined. 
Um, whatever am I going to do without you calling Cornelius? Uh, <laughs> oh my but, gosh. Well, I think that's a natural break in this conversation. So yep. Yep. maybe we, we close it out unless anybody has any more balloon puns they want to share with the world. Not on recording. Okay. Yeah. Somehow we made it for 28 minutes without running into that. So I think we've let all the air out. Okay. There we go. <laughs> I, I felt like we had to have at least one to end off with. So with that, thanks guys. Always a pleasure to hang out with the, with the three of you. Um, hopefully everyone else enjoys our pointless squabbling and uh, we'll come back for more whenever we do it again, but hopefully I'll talk to you all in a couple weeks. Yep. Thanks all. Bye, everybody.